So the mood is angry? Yeah, very, very angry, angry. Yeah. very angry, yes. very angry. 40 years coming down this road. Paul Roberts. And he sells the place out. It's a disgrace. Very sad day for Irish football. Country roads take me home to the place I belong, West Virginia. Welcome to another edition of Tales from the East End. Now, this week we talk about the draw of the game last week. Slug on Good Friday, lots on Milltown. Uh, Justin Mason picks his all-time Rovers 11 and we have questions from the East End with Sam Bone and Sean Boyd. I'm Gary Parsons and as usual alongside me is the Prof, Carl Riley. Now, uh, we're going to move straight on to Drada, and uh, I mean, what, what can we say about that? I'm, I'm conceding set pieces in my sleep at this stage. I mean, a, a little bit unlucky too, with the save coming straight back off Bork, but uh, five defeats in a row, and we couldn't beat them, couldn't get results. Not great, is it? Can we just talk about Milltown today? I think that would be the easy way out, really, but uh, we'll have to discuss it at some, some sort of uh, degree. So, what do you think? Well, the, the what kick is going off, wrong? The kickoff was delayed, as everyone knows. Uh, it was pushed back to eight o five, and uh, actually took us. I was on the Gary Twiggs of Pars bus, and took us an hour just to get from Tala to the Red Cow. That's how chaotic it was. Like there was players in the same boat as well. Three crashes on the M one. Yeah, the players were behind us for a good chunk of that. So at least we weren't worried that we'd miss the game since yeah. we we're actually ahead of them. But could um, you put it down to lack of preparation? Players being cramped up on a bus. No, I wouldn't be using that excuse. I mean, as you say, draw they were in terrible form. Um, second half, we were really poor. Surprising amount of long balls played. We did have chances to win the game. Tight pitch as well, small tight yeah. pitch. Yeah, some people criticised him playing three five two on that tight pitch, was, which, you know, maybe was questionable. Didn't really have the width. But, uh, yeah, the chances, like, Sean Boyd had the whole goal to aim at with the header, and he headed straight to the goalkeeper. Keeper made a great save at the end, even after their winner. Something has to, something has but to give at this stage. I mean, it's it's five defeats out of eight. We we have to start turning it around. And by the way, that that was the worst celebration ever for Jada's winning goal, because the player nearest to it was Stephen Dunn. That's who the camera stayed on, and for no reason whatsoever, he ran back to the halfway line with the ball in his hand after getting the winner. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe a defensive coach, an experienced assistant manager, could could help us out. I mean, we have actually—I don't think we have any former defenders currently coaching on our first team in any capacity. No, they're all attack-minded. Our coaches, um, so it could help us out. Maybe get Pat Flynn involved. Certainly, when Jim and Jilton came in, a lot of people saw that as a turning point. It would be great to have someone like him, but not sure if it will happen. But we may be lacking yeah. a bit of experience in our managerial. Yeah, roles. I'm not too sure what other people think of that, but I I think we could do with a bit of a defensive steal coming in. I was disappointed in a lot of things in the game. I was like lack of discipline again. Uh, Dan yeah, Devine, I thought was very hot headed throughout the game. Lopez pushed over a draw the player in the back just for no reason. Like when did this creep in? 
to our game. You yeah, know? and it, it's it's proven as well. We're top of the table of uh, we're the bad boys of the league now. Most yellow cards, most reds. Do you remember um, a team I used to follow? Glenmore Celtic. Good old Glenmore. Yeah, you came to me with some of those games as well. Remember there was an old man who used to go to every single game. Sam was it? No, I was a, it was an, it was a fan, and all he would ever shout was "You're brutal at the back." Ah, oh, yeah, I remember him well. Yeah. I used to think like, what is that about? Why does why is this all he ever says? But now I'm thinking we could actually use this guy. Yeah. Till we finally keep a clean sheet. We need someone to just yell this over and over again at our defence. Finally get it through to them. Yeah. Uh, I'm not I'm not even sure I think Bradley knows his strongest eleven or his, his preferred formation. So I think that's another thing that he needs to nail down and we need some consistency in regards to that. That could help. We keep changing formations, I mean which teams should be able to adapt to, but we don't seem to be doing it at the moment, so... Well, Harps was the first time he played three at the back. So he did it again against Trada. I'd imagine he'd do it again against Sligo. And then we play the top teams again, Dundalk, probably back to four at the back. Yeah, sure. Someone again. protecting the back four. Now, next up is Jules' all-time Rovers eleven. I was going through this, and I changed and changed and changed. And if you would ask me to get tomorrow or ask me on Friday at the match, I'd probably give you a different answer. But the team we went was... Um, Alan O'Neill in goal um, with a big shout out to Jody Bourne and, and, and Alan Manis I think um, and probably Barry Murphy as well I think um, but Alan was just a super goalkeeper I didn't see him in his fourth spell but he came back to us 11 years later was brilliant when we won the league had a decent season the following year and then became caretaker manager as well for a while so mm-hmm. and he is Mr Rowers and then when we were relegated in 2005 he came back in as caretaker manager so he just edged I know if, if Jody's listening, he probably might talk to me. I know Jody from Wings End again, but I just think Alan was a superb goalkeeper. Um, but if it was a World Cup, they'd be three goalkeepers. He'd be three goalkeepers the World Cup. Wife Fuller and Harry Kenny. Again, Willie Bork, Simon Madden. Um, would have been there, Gerald O'Brien. A uh, lot of good players who played right back for us. But I, Pat Sullivan, I just felt. Hardy, that was the model of consistency when I was younger, and he's a fantastic. Same, um, it's, this is not a far and away team. I know you think things were better when you were younger, but left back would be Kevin Brady. Kevin was an outstanding player. Again, was a fantastic player for us, and had a great league of Ireland career after he left Rovers with the likes of Derry and Shells and won league medals with them. And he may want to dog, and I'm not sure, but he was a, again a fantastic player. Centre backs right. Uh, D very little Peter Eccles obviously the only man to win five league medals with, with Rovers Peter is the ultimate Rovers legend you ask people of our vintage a little bit older they they love Peter um, beside him I'm going to pick a centre half partnership from 94 Gino Brazil Gino was a fantastic defender um, if he'd have been five years older he would have been a huge part of the five four in a row team he, he was a long time at Rovers Gino and uh, scored one of my favourite ever Rovers goals which against Waterford in the Cup in 93 he picked up the ball in the halfway line and knocked it through and he basically beat the Waterford offside trap and he had the whole of the whole of the half to basically run towards the Waterford goal and people are going go was that his only goal or did he, he have two he got another one against Bow six months later oh. he played a one-two with Gagan and finished it lovely and uh, fair play to him he went on and Waterford keep coming out and Gino passed it into the, you know so yeah, Gino was a great rover servant, fantastic and definitely in it. Midfield was where it really got tricky. Uh, first team on the team she has to be Papone. 
fell in love with him when I watched him first in 83 as a 6 year old and I'm now nearly 40 and that hasn't changed the night we beat Bows a few weeks ago um, I shook hands with Twiggy and that was grand and then I go to the toilet I'm going home and he's gone to the end of the street and he said great win Pat it was Justin I nearly cried <laughs> I nearly cried um, the other positions um, I think Stephen Rice I think Rice was absolutely outstanding for us um, the year first year we won the league in 2010 Rice was amazing played right back and everything that year played centre midfield and the cup final we lost to Sligo Carl because of injuries Rice had to play right full that day and we badly missed him in midfield. Now, I think we torn our chambers and Bradzer. They didn't do too badly, but if Royce had been in there, it would have been a totally different start, in my opinion. Um, the next two was... I went Liam O'Brien. I think he was one of the most fantastic players ever to come out of this country. Um, was a fantastic player at Rovers. Um, and done really well for Ireland, done really well for Newcastle United especially. Tranmere. Came back and then... Scored against us in the cup for Cork in 2000 and then had a vital part in the goal that Bowers knocked us out of the cup in 2001. But he was just at Rovers, he was a gem of a footballer and you could see why he got his move to, to, to Manchester United at the time. I then went, I didn't know which one out of centre midfield two of 94 to go with. Um, I'll go with John Towell just over Alan Bourne just because of Towler's service to the club. But you could have played either one of them because they were brilliant, the two of them, in midfield that year. Um, they were just, like, Bourne came from Bowes and, you know, he had a terrible disciplinary record at, at Bowes. I think he was sent off early for us that season. And I think Tracy said to him, if uh, that happens again. And he was brilliant. And then he went to Shelbourne, which was very disappointing. I mean, a few months ago, he deployed the rings in there. 10th anniversary match he played in it and after the match we were in the Irish townhouse after it and uh, he, he bought uh, two of the lads he bought a point to say sorry for leaving us in 94 <laughs> which I thought was very good but I just picked Towler ahead of him I think Towler was brilliant he was a great penalty taker Scott's a lovely goal Scott lo- that 6-4 game I mentioned earlier Scott an absolute cracker where he lobbed Alan Goff same Valentine's Day yeah six to, yeah. at the time they were that was it probably was one of my best Valentine's days ever. Um, but uh, yeah, so the Tower was a fantastic player, great servant, played for us in Milltown, played as a reserve, then won a four series of trial and then came back to us and was with us for a good five or six years after. He was a really good player. Um, up front, I went Tony Cousins. I think if you got the calendar year 97, if the, if the season had been playing down as it is now, Cousins would have been top scorer in the league. In a struggling Rovers team that nearly got relegated. We got a hat trick in that 6 4 game. Yeah. In the month of February 97, because I've got nine goals in four matches. Three braces and a hat trick. I think it was one league game he didn't score in against Finn Harps and he didn't score against Waterford in the Cup, but he scored. I saw you against UCD, sorry, he didn't score. Got a brace against Finn Harps, brace against Bray, brace against Pats, and a hat trick against them. Um, Shells. And uh, he was a phenomenal striker. Absolutely, he was brilliant. That year he was fantastic. and um, yeah, I just had to put him up here and then beside him this was like the second name on the team sheet Gary Twig like someone put it to me about the um, I actually mentioned it was Robbie Fry was so I think one of the lads in the hoops said, put it to me last year that when we were think, thinking about this um, uh, academy thing and whether the members of Alfred and Shane Robinson just said well Gary something about the Gary Twig being a favour not those awards but something about that 
and he said you could just see the whole complexion of the room changing and uh, I think Robbie Foy put it or someone in the hoops says say if it's not Robbie I apologise but it's like just say the time Gary Twigged the Rovers fan it's like uh, scratching a baby's belly or something he just makes them Google and stuff like that and I just think he was just phenomenal like I, we brought him from breaking and I remember I think we were playing Phoenix in a friendly and that was the rumour going around that night O'Neill had just taken over just before we moved to Tala and this lad Twig was supposed to be signing and no one had really knew what no one had heard anything of him and I remember the last striker we saw in Scotland was a guy called Martin Cameron who wasn't exactly brilliant and you're hoping he's not one of these again it was fairly evident early on he wasn't going to be like him he scored I wasn't in the game that long where he scored but the first night we seen him was out in Bryant he was fantastic and then his goal in, in, in Sligo was just against Sligo in, in Tallinn the first game was amazing and it just every he does there and like even the same at matches like, like this, my dad in 87 he did like he adored Twig you know my uncle had passed away last year adored him just I think everyone at Rovers just adores him. Like, and we all, there's always that question every year. Jeez, love to see him back, love to see him back. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't. I'd be afraid he turned his legacy with us. But as a striker, he was just phenomenal. It's the goals he got. Like, they were talking about Sacco Public about players getting 100 late goals, and I think he'll probably know better than this. He, he, I know he, in our competitions he got 80 yard or 90 yard for Rovers. Yeah, 88 in all competitions, yeah. 81 in the league. Yeah, in four years. Like, that's an average of 20. If he'd have stayed one more year, he'd have smashed that 100. Um, just just an unbelievable player. I mean, even his last game against Sligo, the reaction for the first one, then the second one to have the kill and it's the walk rounds. Gary Rogers and put into the net. Just I still don't understand how he scored that goal in Sligo. Just striking instincts. <laughs> just striking instincts. Uh, just a phenomenal, phenomenal footballer and a striker and just. Yeah, he was. It was a joy that we had him for the four years, and I think he. I think you see it now. Every excuse he gets to come and watch us, he's down. So I think the feeling is mutual. But that's me eleven, stroke twelve for Adam Bourne on But I just, again, if you were to ask me this next week, it, it might totally change. And I know the amount of players I'm leaving out that were class. They're leaving out the likes of Paul Doolan in the in the eighties team, and like Terry Everston. I'm leaving out Derek McGrath, Stephen Gagan. I know Gagan left him acrimonious terms and probably still a lot of over smarts haven't really fully forgiven him I'm probably one of them but um, yeah 23 goals in the league winning season 26 in our competitions that really was phenomenal um, so there's a lot of players that could have been put in but look you can only pick 11 so the manager of that team oh, I'd probably McLaughlin would probably be the like the I, I, like because I'm a child now but I just think what Michael O'Neill did with us was to get us to Europe and all that was just phenomenal so I got Michael O'Neill with Jim McLaughlin as assistant. <laughs> well, my next question was going to be name your favourite player, but have you already answered it there? Is it Gary Twig? It's Gary Twig, yeah, just ahead of Pat Bourne. Um, yeah, I'm not going to read yeah. what I said, you know what I feel, but just just the whole thing he gave the club and just. It, it just. We just clicked him, him and us. You get strikers to come in, it just doesn't work out, and they try hard. But he just clicked. I think getting the first goal in Tata was was a huge factor and then the two goals against Bowes like if he'd never scored again for us after that he, he'd have been a hero because I think it's something like Pete, every, a lot of Rovers fans of my vintage are a bit old to talk funny about a lad called Peter Mumby who played towards the end of the 8 9 season where he got a hat-trick against Bowes <laughs> just because of that you know so yeah it's, it will be Gary Twig just ahead of Papo yeah. and like there was others like because I, I was a massive fan of Trevor Malloy and um, used to have Constant arguments with Rovers fans over, 
but when Trevor was out Rover Sports I used to do the B team and parts of the programme so I sort of felt a bit of loyalty to him I thought Trevor was an excellent player and and uh, but yeah it's Gary Twig no doubt Gary Twig yeah. uh, what's your best personal fan story to tell about following Rovers oh god um, <laughs> there's probably there's probably a lot of well, I don't know what I could repeat on air um, something you can tell us I don't know there's actually so many of them and I'll probably just draw a blank I'll just give you one that's just come to my head yeah. that doesn't involve myself it's just it, it's not really a funny story we were playing Shelbourne one day in um, in uh, actually I'll give you two we were playing actually I'll give, I'll give you a different one we played Bowes one night in Tolka and uh, we beat them 3-1 actually it was their home game so it was in the Jody I think uh, Richie Porty got two and Robbo, very young Robbo, could probably score for them. And it's not a funny story, but just thinking, just see what Rovers means to people and how he can meet people through Rovers. So I had just put up my girlfriend at the time, and as he gone for a point, he said, Nah, lads, I nah, don't want to. So two of the lads were living in Blanchestown, I said, Come on out to Greyhound. So so we go out here for an hour or two. We were in there till two o'clock in the morning. Last lads in the place, scuttered drunk, singing song, Rover songs in the middle of a Bowes area. Didn't matter. It was just a camaraderie. Um, it was just amazing. And I think, funny story won't come to me. It probably will in a while, but it won't come to me now. But I just, I'll use that example as of what Rovers is to people. People think you just go, like people who don't go to Rovers think, or to football matches here, just, you just go to a match and you come home. It's not like that at all. I met some of my best mates through Rovers. My best man this year. I met through Rovers even though he's not a Rovers fan anymore for obvious reasons um, met him through Rovers I met um, so many of my mates through Rovers and it's just wouldn't wouldn't change with the word and I think someone said once Rovers is in the club it's a way of life and I think it's a massive massive statement you know and the one thing not, a Rovers fan will think about Rovers every day like even Jordan like big days when they're at family day was at their like they still think about Rovers at some stage so um, I just thought I'd bring that up because the sheer camaraderie I think Rovers means to people a good mix of errors there from Jules a few nice selections yeah he uh, he later expressed regret that he uh, left out Derek Tracy oh he didn't you can't be leaving out Derek Tracy yeah. Mr Shamrock Rovers um, his interview one thing that I loved about it was a Rovers fan will think about Rovers every day and I love that quote it's the same with ourselves, myself and Carl. We both grew up on Captain's Road in Crumlin, about 30 houses between us. And we still speak every day about Rovers. And this podcast has, has made us even more passionate about the hoops. And every day we try and come up with something or talk about Rovers in some way. And it's just natural at this stage. Whenever we talk, it's more more than likely about Rovers. So it's it's a it's a great way to, to describe a Rovers fans from Joe's. Now, uh, yesterday was the 30-year anniversary of the last game at Milltown. I was never at Milltown, but my mum is Colin Bannis, born and bred, and I spent many Sundays in the Millrace pub, scoffing cola sweets and wham bars. <laughs> and when I saw the before and after photos of Milltown, I'll be honest, I got a bit emotional. Uh, it's a ground steeped in history and silverware, and it was banished to the history books all because of greed. So I just wanted to say that a big thank you to all the fans that stayed loyal. Uh, they're an absolute credit to the club. Some people kind of drifted off and didn't and stopped supporting the club, but 
you have to remember our current on-field predicament hasn't got a patch on those tough times. And like I said, a big thank you to those loyal fans who travel from venue to venue throughout the years. And remember, form is temporary, but rovers are permanent. Yeah, I was I was alive from Milltown, but just about. I was only a year old. <laughs> uh, and my dad used to go to Milltown when he was a teenager. He loved going there. Uh, as you say, some great stuff posted. Uh, the form has been down since Friday, unfortunately, so nothing on there, but... Uh, great stuff on Robert's chat on Facebook. Uh, there was an excellent piece in the Evening Herald yesterday. And who, uh, who wrote that? Aidan Fitzmaurice. Aidan Fitzmaurice. And uh, Phelan Warren's blog post was excellent too. Yeah, very good. I read that. Um, yeah, I'm waiting on Jason Maloney to write something as well, but he said he couldn't bring himself to do it. So Jason, push yourself on to write it. We're waiting on it. Uh, yeah, the program tomorrow will be a Milltown special, like a retro 80s program. Uh, special Milltown section of a uh, graphic. I've got a miscellaneous history of Milltown now. That's my article. And make sure you pick that up. It's uh, I'm loving the program since the revamp. It's it's um, much improved, I must say. Yeah, and we've watched uh, various videos too. Uh, Milltown 25. You that sent, was brilliant. You sent I actually that watched that last yeah. night. It was really good. Good crowd as well. Uh, I liked James Cook of the Heritage Trust. His quote, he said that, when the the gates closed in Milltown, we were effectively thrown onto the scrap heap of Irish football. Yep. And I believe Jay and James have retired from the Heritage Club and we'd like to give them a shout out and just say their work has been amazing throughout the years. And like I said, stuff was found in a skip in Milltown, just thrown away and, and the likes of contracts, we're going to move on to that next contracts were found underneath the stand memorabilia was thrown in a skip and we have to thank Jay and James for all their hard work in the Heritage Club there's some amazing artefacts brilliant stuff there so um, it's in the safe hands of the club now I think is that that's, it's been handed over to Rovers yeah onto the contracts as well um, Alan Campbell's contract was put up on the Rovers chat recently he was on £80 a week I think Booker was on 75 and John Joyce was on 150 so double I wonder if he knew. I wonder if he knew if. Uh, I wonder if Bucko and the likes of Campbell knew that Joel's on £150 doubled their wages. That is quite a difference. It is. It's a bit of a difference, alright. Uh, did you also see that Football Monday Owl clip on YouTube? This would have been came out around 2006 when we were in the First Division. Who did they ask to talk about Milltown but none other than Noel King? Ah, uh, Noel King, yeah. He was the guest in the 1899 suite recently. And. The FAI he, Stooge. I nearly go as far as calling him that. He said that no one ever says this, but the Kilcoins were very forward-thinking when they moved away from Milltown and tried to move to Talca Park. Yeah, he's just in everybody's pocket, isn't he? Now we have Carl is going to read the words of Philip Green, aka Philip Green and White, in the Irish Press on April thirteenth, nineteen eighty-seven. It should have been raining, but the sun was shining as Rovers played out their final act on the stage. They have called their home for six decades, but at a quarter past five, the sun set in a different sense, and the green velvet of Glenmalore was ready for violation by the mechanical diggers and the destruction of this theatre of football dreams. On our way in, I met an old robbers man of half a century ago, Sonny Malloy. Together we talked of some of the greats, Saki Glenn, Paddy Moore, Jimmy Dunn, the four Fs, Farrell, Flood, Fagan and Fulham, on to Ego and Paddy Code and the Rasher, and of course Billy Lord, who has made more appearances on this pitch inside than any player. It's a pity the game itself didn't give us much to remember. Rovers were too tight, too tense. The emotions of recent events had left its mark. They didn't play well. 
Sligo, good in patches, were never good enough. But they could have won this game and that would have been the final indignity for Rovers. But this was a dignified occasion. The crowd, smouldering in the sun, proclaimed their frustration and resentment at Milltown's closure with some tellingly phrased banners. If the present directors didn't know it already, they certainly know now what the fans think of them. Alongside me in the press box, I thought for one moment I saw WPM, glasses glinting, glare disapprovingly at the director's box, but I suppose I must have imagined it. The pitch invasion at halftime fully expressed the feelings of Rovers supporters. To their credit, they went off quietly, and Dermot Keely came out to appeal them to leave. Sligo, surging to the attack after the first goal, a Fagan free out on the right, and a blonde head rising to score. But how many times, so long ago, had I seen that when Jimmy Dunn did it for Rovers? But today it was Tony O'Kelly for Sligo. Now we could wait for the famous Rovers fight back. All down the years it had been their hallmark. From the days of Moore, through Paddy Cold, Liam Toohey, Hamo, and Johnny Fulham. Mick Leach would have had a couple before McBurn. Turned sharply in the ball. Headed on to Larkin to equalise. Strangely that ended the story. The second half was an exercise in sterility. The game dragged to an unexciting end. With a drab draw. Somehow it's not what I had expected from the hoops as the final curtain came down on the stage they had performed on with such dramatic splendour for so many years. In this, their final game at Glenmalore Park, they tiptoed out as if they knew they didn't belong there. And when the full-time whistle went, they were strangers in their own paradise. It was time to go. The match wasn't lost, but the famous old ground was. Outside, people in green and white scarves shuffled away, some sadly, some angrily, still calling abuse. A few stood in little knots, mute and forlorn, unsure of what to do, looking baffled and bewildered as the ground had been taken from under them. And in a way, it had. As I went out through the gates for the last time, I felt a little misty around the eyes. It must have started to rain after all. It was expected to be a classic, but Rovers, with largely a teenage side, won easily. Out to the outside left, Smith Lawler there. He middles it. Leach running for it. Leach is in the box. And he shoots and he scored. Leach has scored for Rovers. 18 and a half minutes gone in the first half. And look at the crowd. The jubilant Rovers supporters swarming out of the pitch. In other news, we have Enda Stevens, former hoop, made the English Football League Team of the Year. Uh, Portsmouth are toured in League 2 I'm surprised he's not in League 1 of Championship by now since he's been playing well for quite a while uh, probably just a matter of time I think himself and Sully were brilliant at full back under O'Neill uh, Conor McLaughlin was in the team of the year as well another player that's worked under Michael O'Neill and uh, Gary you heard you had a drive up north last weekend to plead with Michael O'Neill to lift the gypsy curse he's put on us uh, since, since he's left there's been just nothing I think we're going to have to get Barry Fry to piss in each corner it's it's ridiculous at this stage. Honestly, we're it seems like that. It seems like we're cursed. It's it's crazy. But um, we'll discuss this another. We'll discuss this gypsy course another day. <laughs> uh, our under nineteens beat Wexford three one at Tella. Two goals for young Aaron Dobbs. Good to see him getting on the goal scoring sheet. Under seventeens won three 0 at Hogan Park. Uh, they used to have the truck stand there. Yeah, it was a picture of it on Facebook. It was amazing. <laughs> Uh, more positive results from our young books. It's good to see our young lads getting good results. Uh, in other news as well, we have Mikey Drennan's Evergreen FC reaching the Junior Cup final. They play Sheriff, the masters of the penalty shootout. I have to say, I do love a bit of amateur football, especially the Leinster Senior League. I think it's a great league, some smashing players. Could easily make this step up. 
Good to see Mikey doing well. Yeah, yeah, it's good lad. Really hot prospect for us at the time when he when he first tipped him. That was that brace against Dundalk. We didn't know what we had in our hands. Mm. And um, yeah, the Leinster Senior League is hotting up at the minute. It has Crumlin and Bluebell battling it out with uh, St. Moctis three-way for the silverware. So if you can get on down to one of those games, they're well worth it. Uh, what else we got? We've got an interesting fact we saw in the paper about Grimsby Town with a population less than Tallis. So what's Tallis? 70,000, is it? I think it's in the round 70,000, so less than Tala. They gained more supporters in their latest 5-1 loss to Doncaster. Now, that would be a derby, I think. But they um, they had gained more supporters in their latest 5-1 loss to Doncaster in the fourth tier in England than all the games in Dublin last last weekend combined. So, what do we put that down to? Is that good PR from their, their board at club level or... Like, I don't know, but it's, it's, it's great of attendance for a team in the fourth division. I think it's a long-term League of Ireland issue. But at the same time, perhaps we could have done a lot more to get more people from Tally interested. We're definitely doing it now. Like The work of Graeme Gartland has been excellent, for example. Yeah, yeah Graeme is uh, Graham's doing a great job. And it's it's such a big catchment area. It's We're actually quite lucky to have that that population and we can dip into it, you know. Now we have, uh, I think we have questions from the East End next. We have Sam Bone and Sean Boyd. This is the first time that Gary and I did this together. Yeah, we're popping our cherry when it comes to a dual action. Questions from the East End. Now we're here in the Rollstone facility with Sam Bone and uh, we have Sean Boyd and Michael O'Connor looking on, so don't get too nervous, Sam. <laughs> and we have questions from the East End, so we're going to start with what is the capital of Malaysia? <laughs> uh, no clue. No clue, okay. It's Kuala Lumpur is the... What? Is oh, the, did you know that? the capital, right? In what year was Tallis Stadium open? Uh, guess. Uh, I guess. No, what was that? I saw something yesterday on the Twitter page. Uh, you don't. Mikey knows it. Oh, you fucking does it. I'm just going to have a guess. Uh, Go for it. 1960. It was, no. <laughs> Give him a hint, right? It was less than 10 years ago. 1960s. <laughs> was it? Do you want to have a second guess? It was less than 10 years ago. Right, uh, 2009. Yeah. Oh, you got it. No way. Yeah, got there it. you go. Bang on. <laughs> uh, now, spell the word hoot and nanny. Who? Hoot and nanny. Hoot and nanny. Hoot and nanny. Hoot and nanny. It's a word. H double O T. E-N-A-N-N-Y I'm expecting you to know this one now considering you're an Englishman name all four members of the Beatles oh my god that listens to me um no all I know is Love Me Do that's the only Love Me Do you won't get a half a point for that really? he knows the song uh, complete the title of the book published in 2012 about the addictive computer game Football Manager. So the start of it is Football Manager. That's the name. That's the first two words of the book. And you complete the, the next couple of words in the title. It's three words. Three more words. <laughs> football Manager stole my life. Did you play the game? Oh, never. Never played the game? Oh, football yeah, yeah, yeah. Who has the longest ever reign as UFC champion? Oh no, no, no I should know this. No, it's uh, J 
John Jones. No. Jose Aldo. Oh, Jose Aldo. No, is that your answer? No, it's Anderson Silva, six years and eight months. I think Aldo was a mix of USC and was he not, was he not had it for like 10 years? Yeah, no, it was a... Uh, Saw the UFC. Oh, so Name three Samuel Jackson films. Um, was it? Uh, really? No. Oh, it was so good, Come on. Percy Jackson. Is it Percy Jackson? Percy Jackson? Is he in Percy Jackson? Thanks. Okay, we'll go with that. Give us another two. No, I wouldn't know. And, okay, um, in which city was Steve McPhail born? Leeds. Oh! No, he's born in uh, London. <laughs> and name three London clubs in League One right now. Charlton. Uh, AFC Wimbledon. Um, uh, can you give him a clue with this? In London. MK Duns. Yeah, MK Duns. No, no, London knows it. No, MK Duns. Milton Keynes. It's, uh, it's controversial, that one. Who else is it? Give him the first letter. Uh, we give it the first letter. Or could we give him the stadium? Oh, I wouldn't know the stadium. First letter, first letter. First letter is M. Uh, no. Their fans are a bit notorious. Uh, no, no, no. Oh no! I mean, I got that. From 1985 to 1991, Charlton Athletic were forced to ground share. Which which club? Another London club. Oh, I found out the other day. Which city is they born there? Leeds. Uh, uh, Crystal Palace. Yeah, good man. Good man. Right, so uh, we're gonna do a tally up and see what you got. Don't think you did too well, though. <laughs> to be honest. And uh, you didn't get quite a lumper. You guessed 2009. You got Hoot Nanny. You didn't get the Beatles. You didn't get the book title. You didn't get Anna Silva. You didn't get the Samuel Jackson film. Um, you didn't get London, you got Leeds. Uh, we could give you a half a point for that. No, I think you got two. Two? Two, yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> I think it's just two, right? Didn't get quite a number. Got 2009, got Hoot Nanny. No, 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 no. A tree. Is that how it Yes, a tree. Oh, Sean, boy, let's go. Okay, Sean. What is the capital of Hungary? Yep. Which Rovers player scored the last ever goal at Milltown? Nick Brown. You should know this from your Liam's right now. Spell the word curriculum. Curriculum? Mm -hmm. C-I-R-C-U-L-U-N. Got a bit wavered there. No, we're going C-U-R-R-I-C-U-L-U-N. 
Which which band performed the song Teenage Kicks? Um, Lionel Messi scored a world record number of goals in the calendar year of 2012. How many? 92. 91. 91. Yeah, I think we can give him that. I'll give it to him. He did now. We'll give it to him. Who is the youngest ever UFC champion? Um, Can give him a clue? Currently suspended. John John. It's too big a clue. I've only got to go on. We'll give it to him. What is Walter White's alias in Breaking Bad? What is his what? His alias, his uh, criminal fake name. Oh, um, Heisenberg. There we go. Clog is the Irish word for what? (laughs) I don't know. Clock. How many times have Manchester United won the UEFA Cup? Three. Zero. Oh. <laughs> and last question. Name the six clubs that you've scored a senior goal against. Uh, Atlan, Bowers, Sligo, Wexford Utes. Uh, how many is that? Yes, four. Four so far. Two um, more. Um, And they're both in the league this year. Sorry, an hour. Um, no, they're safe. Bowls. You have Atlanta and Bowls, Lego Wexford so far. Uh, Finn Harps. Mm-hmm. Yep. And one more. Mikey O'Connor is going to give him a clue. Come on against him this year. Come on against him this year. Yeah. How do you know the answer, buddy? (laughs) Mikey's Mikey's very observant. He's my mate. Oh, he's Uh, looking to see. (laughs) Makes sense now. It's not Derry, is it? No, it was Galway. I can't even remember. Yeah, I know. You're giving half point. I think so. Oh, you won't draw it there. Okay, so we got Budapest, 91, give it that. Did you say John Jones? Yeah. Go yeah. Heisenberg. No. Half for that. One, two, three, four and a half. Thank you. One, four and a half. Sam and Sean there, questions from the East End. Got attempts by both lads. Yeah, it was very funny when Sean said that thing about yeah. the other thing. The thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, Sam Bone talked uh, about. Uh, let's be honest, we we haven't actually heard this yet. We were recording this before we did the, the questions. <laughs> Just yeah, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> all right. So we're going on to Carl's Sligo stats, and we will start with Kieran Sadier. He is Sligo's top goal scorer on four goals. Yeah, Raf Katero's only one. He was our top scorer last season. 
And uh, I have to give credit to Bose fans, which we don't like doing in the show. No, but not at all. Actually, scrap that. We're not giving them any credit. No, I have to. <laughs> they sang, Rafael Cotero, you paid for your hair. <laughs> oh, yeah. he's been, I've seen him in the papers, actually. The back of the papers and the hair restoration thing. Yeah. They, said, they sang that? That was good. I'll, I'll give them that, yeah. No, actually, I won't. Oh, scrap that. We'll give them that. We've lost only one of the last nine league meetings with Sligo. Winning four in a row at home. All of Rovers League wins, three and losses, we have five this season, have been by one goal. So it's been a tight affair. Their last five wins have been by scores of 4-2, 4-2, 2-1, 2-1 and 3-2. So we actually don't have a home win with a clean sheet under Bradley. We still don't. At all? No, never. No way. That's a, that's a, that's a great stat. I didn't know that. We seem On paper, we seem like a very entertaining team, don't we? Mm, I guess <laughs> uh, Four Rovers players Have started every league game this season We have Tomer Dave Webster Dan Devine And Simon Madden And Webster is set to make his 200 career league appearance Most of them for Bray uh, Shamrock Rovers Finn Harps And Galway We are the only ones Those Finn Harps Galway And Shamrock Rovers were the only ones without clean sheets Sligo and Galway Have yet to win away from home And Sligo's only point Coming at Eamon DC Park Seems to be a happy hunting ground in general this this year, aiming DC Park, mm. doesn't it? People are getting a bit of joy. God, we still haven't won at all. Home or away. Yeah, they're under pressure. But like I said, you have to give these managers time. I, I, I still think uh, the likes of Limerick jumped the gun, you know. I think it's too early. But now we have Sligo, who have conceded the most goals in the league. So that's surely a good thing. Uh, the Hoops have conceded a goal in 10 competitive games in a row for the first time. Since a run of 15 from October 2004 to May 2005. So we're going to try and have to nip that in the bud. Um, we have also let in two goals in four straight games for the first time since a run of five towards the end of 2005. Plenty of stats this week, but not not too not too positive when it comes to conceding goals. Yeah, Robert's first clean sheet of that 2005 season was actually their 10th league game. This is our ninth now. Okay. And that 10th league game, that was Barry Murphy's debut against Waterford. A long time ago. And uh, it was, remember Russell Payne? He conceded in the other nine games. Russell Payne. American goalie, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, now, we, what else we got? We have Sligo's league record under Dave Robertson. Has won 14, drew 12 and lost 14. So, last season, the Bitter Red picked up more points against the top three than any other team. That's a good stuff. Didn't know that. And... He, he's, and he still gets the boot. They've won two of the last 11 away games. And they were against Dundalk and Cork, which is a really weird stat. Yeah. Two scalps. Two absolute scalps. Yeah, so if um, if Cork beat Bowes on Friday, they will be the first club to win their opening nine top flight games since Rovers won 11 in the 65-66 season. Wow. Yep. I want them to break that record, but that's that's a long time. 65, 66. Yeah, so there's five games on Friday. Uh, one on Saturday. Limerick at home to Jada. Okay. And have you seen who the Limerick manager is now? It's, well, the caretaker manager. Willie no. Willie Boland. Willie Boland. Obscure 90s premiership footballer. Willie Boland. Remember my Coventry? That Willie Boland? Yeah, it's him. He was born in Limerick. So he's been... Uh, Didn't even know that. He's been under the uh, behind the scenes there at Limerick. I didn't know that. It wasn't that Limerick poster, just brilliant. Yeah, I'll get, yeah, that was really cool. The revolution would not be televised. Yeah, I'm loving that. More, more of that stuff, please. Now we're gonna move on to starting elevens and predictions. This is getting tougher every week. 
I, I genuinely don't even know our, start, our best starting eleven. I'm just going to throw caution to the wind here and just go with it. So I'm going to go 3-5-2 again. Big pitch in Tala. I think we can expose Sligo. So I'm going to go... You, you might be surprised. I'm going to go with Tomer. I'm going to drop down the vine. I'm going to put Luke Bourne in. I don't even care if he's not fit. He's playing. <laughs> Lugie, getting the injections. You're playing. Bourne, Lopez, Webster as a back three. Clark and Madden as our marauding fullbacks. Finn and McAllister in the middle. And then I'm going to have O'Connor and Shaw. Yeah, O'Connor and Shaw need a, a little test up front, see what they like. But behind the striker, in that central attacking midfielder role, I'd love to see Brando, but I don't want to drop Bork. So I'm still decided... I'll see what happens just before kickoff, and I'll see. <laughs> I'll see how we get on. But it's ever-changing formations and ah, it's, it's ridiculous at this stage. So I'd I'd love to see Brando back in in his, in his glory. I mean, look at the goals, the game ratio. It's brilliant. He's got what nearly thirty goals, twenty odd goals in 60, 70 games now. At the start of the season, it was really good because he's not scoring, and not really doing that well now. But I'd I'd love to see him in that behind the striker role. You know, but Bork is pretty good there, so I'm still undecided. But we're going three five two anyway. Uh, I think I think the first game Luke will play would probably be the the League Cup game against Balls. I reckon that's when Bradley will throw him in. So we're feeling he's going to pick the same back three and the same wing backs. Yeah, we could see Luke on Monday. Uh, yeah. I'd like to see Sean Boyd come in. I know Gary Shaw has done nothing wrong really. He, he won the penalty in Jada. Uh I just have a feeling Boyd will score in this game. Yeah, I'm going to go with um, I'm going to go with our first clean sheet and. 30 years from Milltown we'll go with 3 now I'm going to say 2-1 again alright no poor old Tomer no, no sorry Tomer <laughs> Tomer is uh, the new Russell Payne yeah. I mean that in a positive way I mean, in a statistical <laughs> way I don't mean you don't mean he's worse than Russell Payne <laughs> don't take too much from that Tomer yeah. now we have the 10k walk from the spiritual home of Shamrock Rovers tomorrow from Milltown so everybody get on down get the walking boots on and uh, we're going to walk from Milltown to Tala to commemorate 30 years gone from Milltown. So um, another thing I noticed about the photos and memorabilia going around, quite a lot of dodgy haircuts and moustaches. So, <laughs> Well, it was the 80s. <laughs> yeah. And we're going to make our 1899 suite debuts tomorrow. Oh, yes. this I'm looking forward to this now. Yeah. I really am so looking forward to seeing uh, players from the far in a row and yeah really interested in that because we hear so much about it we're we're the younger generation so we hear so much about strike partnerships and these players and I mean Twig is our god so it's it's great to to hear about the ones beforehand who are the really popular hoops figures so I look, really look forward to this now and asking some questions and uh, thanks everyone for their birthday wishes on Facebook uh, oh yeah Gary's birthday is is 0408 that, that's true which normal people know is August the 4th but Gary when you registered on Facebook you didn't account for their backwards American format so uh, we ended up getting a lot of people wishing us a happy birthday on April the 8th it's <laughs> just so those people saying oh well hopefully the 17s will win and that'll cheer you up yeah. or the 19s will win and that'll cheer you up on the weekend yeah. on your birthday even your dad <laughs> sent you a happy birthday yeah, what? <laughs> I didn't even see that. No <laughs> father. Oh, God. Now, we're going to finish on a, a more serious note because I think it's quite apt considering the week that's in it. And we're going to go with that great quote from those great photographs. And it's, will, will greed kill the hoops? 
I don't think so. Shamrock Rovers are more than a football club. We're more than just 90 minutes every week. More than your season ticket or your club membership. More than your fake sick days from work or being on top of the world after a win and a loss ruining your weekend. Shamrock Rovers is a way of life. It's a culture. And that bastard Kilcoyne couldn't kill us in the 80s. And it'd take an army to even try and do it now. Shamrock Rovers will never die. So have a good Friday and keep on hooping, folks. See ya. Stay